All right. I have Dennis and Denise from MUFON. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks doing for great. having us. Yeah. Get, uh, get and tell everyone who you are and your credentials. We'll start with Dennis. Okay. Well, Dennis and Denise, that's a good combination for state director and assistant state director. I like it. Uh, I'm Dennis Wilson. I'm the state director for uh, Florida, MUFON in Florida. Uh, I've been a member of MUFON since 2009. I was a field investigator for a long time in Tennessee. Moved to Florida back in 2019. Uh, there was a change in state directors here, and I assumed the position of state director in uh, right around uh, late February of 2020. Um, I have uh, been interested in ufology, I guess, my entire life, uh, an amateur astronomer, uh, and uh, I, I really enjoy being associated with MUFON and, uh, and the enigmas that we investigate. Um, Denise? Hi. Um, well, I've been um, working as a field investigator and member of MUFON since 2003. Um, I had a great interest prior to that because of my own experiences. Um, once I uh, retired as a civil servant for the federal government, I had more time to lend as far as holding meetings and um, working with people who have had their own experiences and supporting them. And um, I guess that's it for me. Well, I live here in the state of Florida. Um, you know, we both noticed if there's anywhere with some, some strange activity, this state is the gold mine. <laughs> I I was myself was fascinated with UFOs and, and the extraordinary as a child. Uh, in my teens, I lost that, and mostly because you know I was out doing things, shooting pool, or hanging out, or whatever it may be. Uh, so I never really got interested in it until 2017 came around, and they had the UFOs spotted by the you know the Navy pilots, and that grabbed me because that's an undeniable thing, right? I mean, it's uh, the government sees it now. Um, cause the old me was, you know, and I say it a lot in the cage or dead on the table. It's the only way it's going to be believable for me, but what I'll talk to you guys about tonight. And I, I'm not going to go too deep into it. I have a theory and I'm bouncing this off several people. My theories, I'll be simple. And I've said it in, you know, with more length than another podcast, but as far as gray aliens go, I have the belief that they're robotic with a consciousness uploaded or something developed, you know, by an extraterrestrial, like an, an advanced AI, either way with a consciousness upload, and that we're under a long-term study is why we don't have direct contact. Because again, and to use this this other theory is, if we were walking around Grand Central Park and we saw an ant colony using combustion engine cars or flying planes or throwing bombs at one another or whatever it may be, we would close that park and watch it forever to watch how that unfolds. We want to, we would want to see the evolution of that colony. So in that, that theory being said, I guess we'll ask, what is it? That you, what, what is your theory on what the grays are? Oh, um, well, I'll, I'll step in and go first. Um, I had my own experiences for years. Um, I have had who I call my own 
uh, Gray, my escort, who has guided me on and off craft, is capable of, of killing pain and removing fear. Um, recently, I realized that he had aged, although no one else might notice that. Um, that's a tall gray. I saw smaller ones up against the wall, and they didn't move unless ordered to do so, and I would consider them robotic. Huh. And that's that's exactly the ones I targeted, the smaller ones, because they, they seem to be, you know, from all the reports I've read, and again, I, I wasn't really deep into this until COVID came around because, well, I had time. And... It fascinated me. And and what I read about the smaller grays is that they're hard to distinct from one another as far as personal, right? No real emotions, no no birthmarks. They, they, so again, with the lack there of, of you know, I guess we'll say uh, autonomy, they they gave me that idea, they're robotic. And that, that's what put me down that road. But I haven't gotten into much discussion about the tall ones. I haven't read enough about it. In fact, I'm, that's the next thing I'm going to get deeper into is are the taller ones. They seem to be the ones that everyone keeps claiming to be the the biology version, and that yeah, that they that they're the smaller ones are controlled by them. Whether whether it be like telepathy or what I believe telepathy is, and now that our technology is catching up, is their form of Bluetooth, like an advanced form of Bluetooth. That's an interesting thought. Um, of course, anything that I say or Denise say are our own thoughts. They really don't, don't reflect those officially of MUFON. But um, the uh, fact that you think that, that the grays are a product of, of AI, I mean, if you look at where we are with AI today, you look at what Mr. Musk is doing with uh, robotics and what other countries are doing with robotics it's not a really far-fetched idea that some of that some of those grays could be uh, a product of artificial intelligence robotics um you know the other the other theories that i've heard besides that and then they really get out there and denise can probably tell you i mean we've you know you hear about portals and you know interdimensional uh, rips and whether they're from another dimension or not I don't know. You know, I've never had a personal experience with you know, with abduction or meeting, uh, having contact with an entity. I I, I, uh, uh, I have seen unidentified objects, and that's what piques my interest in the whole subject. Um, I saw when in in uh, when I was living near Pensacola with all the Air Force bases there. I saw my wife and I going over the Garcon Bridge, saw a uh, uh, silver-shaped object, probably several thousand feet up in the air, being chased by two jets with afterburners. And then shortly after that, two sets of black helicopters flying along the same flight path, which I thought was an interesting and exciting uh, uh, experience. And those are the types of sightings that I've had, that I, uh, but I've not had any experience with uh, with the craze. But I don't think I don't think either what Denise said or what you said is far fetched at all. Right. I I make room for a lot because, and I discussed this on a podcast last night with another MUFON member. There, people complain there's not a lot of similarity in the craft, and there's always discrepancies. But then again, you know, like us. We have we have how many models of cars, vans, and trucks? Everything has a purpose, right? We don't know what the purpose of each vehicle is, right? 
Um, That's right. And then the more I read about these, the Tic Tac and, and the, the pyramids and the triangles, and then you start realizing what the Navy's seeing now, people have all along been describing identical things, right? It's just now the Navy has it captured on film, and that's that solidifies it. Um, I personally have experienced nothing, and I really, I'm one of those, and that's what got me into this, because I wanted to be able to, to be the person, to talk to everyone, to ask the questions. Eventually, I'm gonna, I want to build a network with people like yourself where I travel around. I'm going to do a documentary, and I'm going to travel around. I want to I want to know where to go, the spot to go to, right? Um, so I make room for a lot, especially since I've been, a lot of off-podcast interviews I've done, I've heard a lot, but I've also heard a lot of consistency. I've heard some discrepancies, but I've heard a lot of consistency. And, and you know, something Denise said earlier about the tall gray, I've been hearing, I don't even really hear much about those on TV, maybe, or if I do, I, I missed it. But in these off-air interviews, I, I'm hearing a lot of it, like a lot. And it's detailed, pretty identical. And these are people I know to a certainty don't know one another because I'm interviewing people from all over the place. So even from Europe, I'm hearing a lot of similarity. So, yeah, I make room for a lot. The only thing I've ever seen was an orb in the sky in a thunderstorm, and it, it was blue in color, and it faded into the clouds. And I'm one of these people where I default to logic because I live really close to an airport. So what did I see? I'll, I guess I'll never know. But I intend to get out there and find something, you know? Um, yeah. Well, oh, go ahead, Dennis. No, I, I'm, I, I'm, I have nothing to add at this point. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, um, as far as Florida goes, we have a lot of reports. Um, some I take that are kind of personal to the individual and they don't file with MUFON and some that do. Um, but we've got some sightings of those big orbs out on the coast. Um, they're being seen lifting out of the sand dunes. Uh, some of them go out over the water and then go into the water before they fade or disappear. So those orbs are something that we need to do further study on. I don't know what they are, but they're pretty interesting in all different colors. Yeah, when you say that, I heard, uh, if you're familiar with the gimbal video, mm -hmm. where they describe yeah. there's many of them, and they're being described as like round thing, round orb-like things with a I, I I can't remember. I think either a, a pyramid or maybe a cube inside of the, the, the round orb itself mm -hmm. and in masses. So the video that we see is not all that they have. That's a fact. We know this. And there's other things they have on radar because of national security. They can't release it to the public, but it's there. It exists. And here I live in Florida, right? And since I've started this, I've spoken to some paranormal investigators, some UFO investigators. And I, when I first thought about doing the tour for the documentary, I was like, wow, well, this, I could just crisscross. I wanted to start in the northeast and work my way west in the, in the summer and then, you know, back down south in the, in the winter. But it almost seems like I'm going to be in Florida for a year. There's so much going on here. There's a lot going on. Um, an interesting story about an orb um, is that I have a case, and I've had it for years, with two retired Coast Guard uh, people. One was a captain um of his own um boat ship whatever you want to call it and um another gal who was his partner and they still live out in the area near coco and um the gal um called their friends and she called him one day and said i need you to come over 
And when he got there, um, he had noticed that an old TV she had turned off and unplugged sitting on the floor in the corner had turned on and it was it had that snowy effect. And when he asked what was going on, she said that she had stepped outside, was standing outside smoking and an orb, the shape of a football in a bright blue, came down over her pond and moved towards her. And she held her ground, being Coast Guard, she stood there, and this thing erupted into a blue figure, unfolded in front of her, and came towards her and closer and closer. So she wanted to go in and get her camera to take a picture. She ran in. That's when she noticed the TV set and it was hissing and buzzing and, and it wasn't even plugged in. So she went back out with her camera just to see this figure fold back into the football shape and go straight up at a really rapid pace. And when she looked up, there was a huge, what she called it, and we all do, mothership, enormous. It entered that and then the, the ship took off. Oh. You know... That's powerful because, you know, when you, when you hear things like that and people are seeing it, there's what roles it play in our psychology. I imagine it's tremendous. And here's what I'm yeah. liking about interviewing MUFON members. You're very diverse. They're anywhere from science to investigative to people of experience. It's, it's really diverse. And the stories you share are amazing. In that person you're talking about, what was what are the long term effects on on that individual? Well, she is a very well uh, thought out person as far as what steps does she take next? What does she do? What she did do was take her television in, and it was an older one, so it had some of the old technology in it, and it had actually fizzled and burned and in such a way that the uh, technician couldn't figure out how it happened. Um, she didn't care to bring it back home, so she left it. Now she wishes that she had <laughs> uh, brought it home and had someone else look at it. So um, she's still out there on that patio looking for the return of that orb. She's very fascinated, and so isn't he. And uh, since she had the experience, he has had two or three himself, almost as if she caused it. Um, so he is now welcome to um, observe and see these, whatever they are. Um, it appeared to be a being of some type. Yeah. You know, there's another thing that's going. So for me, the orb I saw, um, I had this thing where I default to logic again. It was blue in color. I saw it in a, in a dark cloud when it was thundering. You know, I live near a Tampa airport and that. So the next day I found myself figuring out where's Jupiter, where was it in the sky today, and then could you even, you know, all these things. I'd, so I'll never know, and I understand that that want and that need for, for, for this person, and I hear this a lot. There's a very strong similarity in the way people believe in religion and the way people believe in, in these UFOs and these entities, right? They're, it's that same kind of experience that has them hopeful to see them once again. Like I interviewed again off off podcasts because there's a lot of people I'm learning just don't they don't want the attention in the airtime they just want someone to hear their piece, and she witnessed a UAP, and she didn't get to see it great. She's had a lot of uh, things she's seen in recordings, but 
this one particular time she was telling me that she saw it go beneath the water and almost like she was like speaking to God, like, you know, I, I guess you're not ready for me to see you right now. And I understand. So I'm finding a lot of similarity there in that. Well, I think you got to be careful, though, about, uh, you know, making, you know, belief in or, or I guess not belief in UFOs, those who follow the subject closely, you know, as a as a substitute for spiritual beliefs. I mean, they're distinctly different. Uh, oh, I, I agree. It's the way she described it that gave me that that kind of like, well, you know, that curiosity and that that fascination and also that that strong faith in what it is that they are. Not everyone has the same experiences. There's people that speak nightmares that I've read. Yeah, well, that's true. That's the same thing with near-death experiences on the spiritual side. Some people find them very refreshing. Some people are terrorized. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... It's it's uh, it's interesting what people have experienced. I I have never been privileged enough to be selected for uh, investigation by an entity. Um, my interest is is fascination with the subject, like kind of like you were saying, as a as a as a child, I was always interested in UFOs, and then I've had a couple of sightings that were difficult to explain, which just further. Uh, amplifies my curiosity. Yeah. yeah, that's that's fuel for the fire, right? When because like for yeah. me that little orb, that, out of saying my whole life I've never seen anything. You see that, and then it, it's gone as fast as you saw, it, and you're like, God damn it! Why can't I like you know? Give me something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes I don't think you realize until after it's over that you just saw one. I can recall an incident when I lived in Tennessee. I was sitting in a Target parking lot. And I thought what was hovering above me was a uh, kind of like a either a, a, a balloon of some sort. You know, it, had, it was an oval shape. And it was up cloud level, it, and I. But I noticed it wasn't moving. It was stationary. Well, everything. You know, it was a breezy. It was a semi breezy day. And even if you let go of a helium balloon, it's going to travel. And. You know, after I, I looked at that for a while and it suddenly it just kind of disappeared into the clouds after it sat there for four or five minutes, I thought, what did I really see? Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, because for me, that orb I told you about, blue in color, maybe aqua, it didn't leave, move, or do anything. It's just the, the clouds consumed it. So it went to that dark thundercloud. And then, so for me, you know, I'm right by Tampa Airport. I see, I see planes come and go all day, all night. There's no question how they're operating, right? Even a helicopter, you could you could just distinctly tell by the blink of the light. This is just a solid blue. So I also have to make room that where I live, a lot of people have drones, and there's there's these synchronized groups of people that play with drones. I see them all the time, and I don't want to, I, you know. So it sucks that I default to logic. So I really wanted that to be something authentic, but because it was consumed by the clouds, I'm left with perhaps 50 seconds of pure wonder, you know, <laughs> and it troubled me all night. So I was like, go fit. And I remember coming into the house. I was like, go figure. One time I see something, it, the, the Florida weather consumes it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we're very privileged in, in Florida, in our MUFON organization here. Our chief investigator is a gentleman by the name of David Toon. And he's uh, associated with Emory Riddle uh, Aviation School. 
and he does a we get a lot of submission of cases where people have jpegs or movies that they submit of what they saw taken from their cell phone typically and you know a lot of those things like you're talking about drones and those types of things david is just phenomenal at picking out exactly what those folks saw you know uh, you know a lot of people think they have seen a true ufo when it turns out to be something else other than that in fact you know, in Florida, we get somewhere between 25 to 40 submitted uh, cases that are referred to us from the MUFON uh, case management system every month. We're usually number somewhere between number one and number four in terms of volume per month of sightings in this state. And, you know, I think you've heard this from other MUFON members, 95% of them uh, are explainable. It's the five percent that that are just really the enigmas right. that that uh, what makes it fun to be to to investigate them to try to further the the topic and the understanding of what we're experiencing. Since I'm I'm not convinced, uh, even with the government disclosure, this is my personal opinion. This has nothing to do with MUFON. That you know that that was not disclosure. Uh, there, there's there's tons of stuff I think that was withheld. Um, yeah, I was just saying it. That that was them stating things. All right, so again, the undeniable things the military captured. That was them stating that, and then and that was a safe disclosure. It was really I said this before. It's really safe. And then they spoke in the narrative, and then they switched subjects, and then it was done. They dis- yeah. all they did was disclose. The fact that, yeah, they're recording, and yeah, we don't know who they are. And, oh, well, you know, I don't think the government should have to tell us everything, everything, when it comes to, like, what we're doing to combat our, our enemies, as far as, like, technology that we're developing. But if there's something out there, there's no harm in saying, look, it's out there, we don't know what it is, and, yes, we make room for the, for the idea that they're not from here, and we will investigate it further. They didn't even say that. <laughs> so Yeah, they didn't go that, they didn't go there with it, and the other thing that annoys me about it is their, their, I guess their assumption of, of the level of gullibility of the public. The, these sightings that are being captured by, you know, with the advent of cameras and cell phones, I mean, there's just a, a plethora of sightings. And for them to say, you know, the type of movements that these, these objects are making, my, uh, my son is a has his doctorate in physics and he's at the university of California. And he, I'm not saying as a scientist, he's a, you know, scientists are the biggest skeptics probably of everyone that has anything to do with it. Well, that's, that's in the job description. You know, I got to till, till I have it figured out. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's theory, but he will admit that the movements that he has seen and what the government has disclosed in those photos the physics of it given what we know of our knowledge of physics it's not possible not with what we have and you know that's what that's what sort of annoys me about government disclosure where they say oh this we can't rule out chinese we can't rule out russian well if they have leapfrogged and break and, and and redefined the known laws of physics then we are in real trouble i I don't think it's them. Uh, I really don't. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, you know, you have to put together the scientific, um, the technical, the, the whole works of that. But then when you get someone, many someones who say they have been taken aboard one of these crafts and can begin to give some detail as to what they saw and what they understand from it, how they were affected by it, the true uh, abductees, or we call them experiencers now, will absolutely say no one and nothing can convince them that where they were and where they visited doesn't come from another place. Um, it, it's a very uh, confused um, area to investigate, to support people in, and to try and figure out what's going on all the way around. And did you notice that the government totally ignored the abduction phenomena? Yeah. Yes. You know, what Denise said, I like. I don't like calling them abductees. They sound like victims. I like calling them the experienced. Yeah. Whenever I speak to anyone, yeah. whenever I'm interviewing, you know, outside of podcasts, I ask, are you, are you of the experienced? Because yeah. you don't want to put someone in some category where they sound like they've, they've been a victim. Not everyone shares the same experience. So when you're calling one abductee and abductee and another... They might share different experiences. One's frightened. The other one's, you know, they're open to it. They're compelled to go do it again. So I just, the experience is a safer way for me to state that. And then yeah. there's, there's something else I noticed too. The difference described from the inside of the ships the people are upon and the ones like, say, Bob Lazar um, was uh, privy to. And I, so that's where the separation comes for the, the robotic smaller grays. Because the one Bob Lazar describes featureless, no buttons, no knobs, you know, st almost sterile. Because something with, that's not biology wouldn't need any of that. And if they're controlling it with their version of Bluetooth, no real reason for knobs and switches and et cetera. But the larger ships consistently, I hear that that's more of a living quarter. And I, 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 so I guess the question I'll ask is for the experience, what are the inside of these ships being in your reports and what, from what you know, Denise, what are they like on the inside of the ones where they're being taken to? There are so many. Uh, there's one in particular that we're beginning to investigate where the individual who has had the experience will say, this is operated and run by something that is biological, organic, and mechanical, and that it has chosen to do what it's doing. Um, and it's part of a pod, a group of them, that again can communicate, connect with each other. They know where everyone is, and they belong to a big, giant mothership. So that's one type. Then we've got one that was first seen in the UK. Um, they call it the jellyfish because it morphs and changes and matches the sky and the clouds, the storms. Uh, it's hard to keep up with. And why do we get to see those? Um, some of us think that our own technology, such as our cell phones, all the devices that we use, that reach a certain peak and expose these. Right. That makes sense. You know, yep. again, for what you're saying, there's, so here's for people listening that are like, wow, that sounds, you know, outrageous, but here's the reality. Look at our military, the different vehicles we use. There are some made for reconnaissance where they're there to just observe and, 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 and they have to be stealth-like. Then there's the larger ones where you take people aboard for whatever reason may be, right? So again, I go back to the cars and vans. They're, they're, te they're an advanced technology, no question. 
So they're going to make different models of their vehicles, right? And, you know, 2021. So they have a brand new 2021 such and such, right? It's the brand new one with the whatever entertainment they have, you know? <laughs> you have to make room for that because you don't see a 57 Chevy running around and people are like, well, that's, is that new? No, there's no question what's new now. It looks very different from then. True. So That's true. Yeah, you have to, you have to explore outside that. So many people want this Expo. There's so many differences and variations what they're describing. Well, no, no, no kidding. Go get a 1980s Toyota Camry and put it next to a 2021 Camry, and guess what? They're not the same thing, right? No. So not even close. Right. So you have to make room. So what you're describing about the jelly ones where they're disguising themselves, that sounds like reconnaissance. And then the larger ones that are taking people aboard, that's further up where it's already out of reach. No reason for it to behave that way, right? They all right. have their own, just like our military, how many different vehicles and different purposes that they have. It's crazy. It is. Yeah. So many styles and models. And I think it also has something to do with how far a distance they've had to travel to get here. Yeah. You know, I, there's a lot, there's a lot running around like bio, biological life roaming through the vastness of space. I did hear and I, I, I keep going back to this, but I heard on Lex Friedman, uh, a scientist state, it would take 10,000 generations for biology to, to have a ship large enough with the resources. But the more I'm doing this now, and the more I'm talking to people and the more off I, people I interview, you know, there's a lot of possibilities. Uh, again, if they're back to the ants, right? We find that ant colony in the middle of central park. Amazing. And they're doing amazing things. We're not going to disturb them. We're going to watch that unfold. And we don't want them privy to our, us paying attention. So we're going to keep our distance and observe it for how long? probably forever it's interesting you know there's they've so again like these sightings that even from ancient times where people describing things in the sky this could be a long-term study and we might not not even my, my lifetime anyway even be able to speak with them because we don't know what their agenda is truly which yeah. ro rolls me to the other question what is it from you and from dennis what is the belief of why they're here because that what i stated just now is my theory Dennis, you want to go first? Me? You? Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm probably, I know that experiencers, since I've never been an experiencer, I, I made my career as, as a business person. I was a, a chief information officer, a technology officer at a lot of large, several large corporations. So I don't look at their uh, observations as totally benign. Um, I guess I always think there's an agenda behind it. So you're asking me what I think the agenda is. Well, you know, I've, I've, there's, there's two possibilities, you know, one that the altruistic one, okay. The, the atomic, uh, yes, you're right. There's been proof that are not proof, but I mean, we have evidence that they have been here for thousands of years, okay? And, and, and in that case, when we started exploding atomic and, and, and uh, hydrogen-based uh, weapons in the 40s and 50s, you know, there's a thought that, that it was, there were consequences to the, the galaxy, if you will, in terms of ripping ripping the space-time fabric. And in that case, they're, they're, they're keeping a watchful eye on us uh, to make certain that we don't do something absolutely stupid. 
Um, so it's for their own benefit and probably ours to self for self-destruction. The other theory that I can believe as well is if you're getting ready to, let's say that the earth is a very rare jewel in the universe. I mean, I've, uh, yeah, I believe it. And we got an infinite universe and there's an infinite number of planets. However, the number of planets in the Goldilocks zone, so to speak, the number of planets with the amount of water that we have, the number of planets that have basically a dual planet system with a moon that's a third the size of the planet itself is a relative, from our understanding in science right now, is a relative rarity. So it could be valuable to an alien species. And what do you do usually in the military before you finally attack what do you do you what yeah, you, you observe, you observe the weaknesses yes probe weaknesses you do reconnaissance and what do you find a lot of these vehicles around you find them around military yeah yeah you find them around nuclear power stations you find them around aircraft carriers so they're very you find them around missile silos where they as you recall the incidents in the 60s where they shut down the Titan missile uh, complex in uh, North America. And the Russians got a launch almost down to two seconds before it was stopped. It was out of control. I just recently, uh, I just recently learned about that. I didn't realize yeah. how close we were to it. That, you know. So was, that, that, yeah, that, yeah. Concern, that concerns me. So, you know, if, if somebody that looks at that, yes, I mean, uh, people that have had experiences have very positive ones. So does that mean that there's, uh, and I will refer to Denise, who is the expert on this, there are probably be a variety of, if you will, extraterrestrial species that have examined this planet. They all probably don't have the same agenda. Right. And, that, and, and that, that's my opinion. That makes sense because if there's biology, Biology is going to have an agenda. If my theory holds weight and there are robots with consciousness uploaded, they're, they're basically immortal and need no resources and everything would be for the state of study and some record. Who knows? What, I mean, if, if they did travel here and they're robotic and there's a home planet, wherever that may be, great distance, um, they would probably have several entities out there watching several planets. I, and I said this the other day. If we we're with NASA or SpaceX or whatever. We're, we finally start traveling. We find another planet in our Milky way and we find some species of humanoid or whatever it may be. And let's say they're in their, their stone or bronze age. And we, yeah, of course we'd observe. We, it would be very interesting. Wow. There, you know, there's, there's life here and it's in their bronze age. And you know, we're watching the Rome empire unfold once again, but if there's resources there because of the biology and what we are as a species, you, you better believe we have an agenda. And it's we want yeah. the we want that shiny stuff right away. If you're on a planet that's dying, and, you know the species. If you made the same mistakes that we're making now in terms of poisoning our own planet, and you're looking for something else, this might be the place to look. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but um, anyhow, uh, I think Denise would have a, a probably a really vastly different take on it since well, she is an experiencer so that, I'd that's, love to hear that's the beauty that's the beauty of diversity right that's what i love about it go ahead right, right yeah well my take first of all this planet is an oasis um if you look at all the other planets that we have been able to 
see from here. Um, we have the minerals and the water and you name it, we've got it. They're going to want to come and use it when they're in this galaxy. So that's part of it. Um, the rest, I am of the thought process that they have had removed all of their emotions um, to the point where they thought they would work better without having strong emotions. And now they've discovered, I believe, that they want some of that back. They want some of what they had. Um, and so they're rewiring themselves along with us to see if they can better all the species. Um, they're taking DNA, they're working with it, and I think that's another part of this whole puzzle. Right. Yeah. If you want emotions, by all means, borrow the human DNA. You'll find a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I, I keep saying this a lot, uh, but as a species, we're failing. We still have, you yeah. know, it's 2021. How are we still racist? How is that even possible? Like, how yeah. is that even possible? How is our technology advancing, leapfrogging us in comparison, right? Like, it's it's sad. We have so many divisions, so many lines in the sand, reasons not to like one another and you know blue flag red flag it's nonsense you, uh, an advanced yeah. civilization from anywhere that traveled anywhere whether it be biology or robotic they've got that sorted out because they didn't make that they didn't make that jump you know without figuring out how to operate as a species or otherwise they you know they they'd implode on one another like it's sad it's, it's very sad it seems like genetically there's a, there's some sort of a gene in us that that makes war uh, something that we're interested in. Yeah, pretty. Uh, I'm pretty sure they call it the uh, testosterone, right? <laughs> well, yeah, testosterone. Yeah, that that probably has a lot to do with it too. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But the planet has a lot of that. But. Uh, <laughs> We're a very warlike people, and, you know, we need to start and regulate that. However, some of the people I speak to who have had experiences say they've been told there is a federation out there watching the universe, watching the galaxies, and protecting against those warlike species on other planets and from other planets, and there are very few in existence. Um, it's more of a peaceful place out there, and they don't want us running loose <laughs> with our spears and, and arrows and uh, going and taking over what they have worked hard to bring to fruition. You know, a couple a couple things. I, I have to believe that. Why? I In watching science documentaries, which people that know me know, I watch constantly, I've learned that what affects an atom here also affects an atom elsewhere almost simultaneously. By I'd have to reference the, the documentary. But that being said, for shooting off nukes, and, and, we're, and who knows what we're experimenting with that we'll never know, right? I mean, we're, 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 right now we have atoms <laughs> running each other in a controlled environment. So we think. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's cause for concern. And then I go back to military. If we, again, found a planet primitive or not, and we were observing this, we would send representation there. We wouldn't exactly go to ourselves. It would. And like, like Dennis stated earlier, if we're going to do that, it would be probing for an ex a very long period of time. We'd have to weigh the, the balances. Like what, what is the, what do we, what's in the plus column for us going here to, in, to, to interact with them and or 
if there are resources there, where are the best sources at where we don't have to really deal with them and they don't know about us? What's the best way to do that? And, you know, if they have the technology, why do we see a lot of these in the ocean? We don't go down there often. We don't know what they're doing. And if they are, if they are taking any kind of material, what better place? Because <laughs> we have <laughs> we have no That's way true. to we have no way to deter that. We have no idea what they're doing or or how to even observe it. We just know, like in the latest UFO video or UAP from the military, you see one where to, uh, it's hovering over the water and it goes under, and you hear the military go splash, splash, like it went underwater, mm-hmm. and it did it effortlessly. And we can't do that. We there's a process for us. Yeah. We go underwater. We don't do it at a certain rate. We ex- our heads explode. Right. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. And we haven't even looked at the, the deepest depths of our ocean, the, the uh, canyons and, and what, what is living there. Um, who knows if there's not a whole force of these existing in the depths we, we cannot reach. Of course. Yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one of the theories that, that, that bounces around is that I don't know. I guess it is, we are not the original inhabitants of this planet that uh, perhaps some of the uh, vehicles we're seeing, some of the species we're seeing, were actually on this planet before us. Well, um, good. Good. Well, uh, Dennis, to, to be fair, yeah, we're, I, I think that, what, what are we, four billion-year-old planet? There's no way we're the first species here. There's Four no, point, yeah, four point five billion. Well, you know, we know we find fossil record of dinosaurs, yeah, in other things. But 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 in terms of intelligent species, okay, yeah, we've got Neanderthal g- genome in us, and we've got uh, Dennis Denison, I think is what they're called, uh, 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 DNA. Oh, mammoth, the mammoth, yes, yeah, and, and the, yeah, the mammoth and stuff like that. But but you know, when you look at it. There's so many, uh, Eric Von Däniken may not have been wrong, you know, in terms of why, you know, why are there pyramids all over the world? Those people, I mean, the primitive human being, the primitive homo sapien didn't travel the entire world and place those everywhere, but yet it's a common shape everywhere. So, yeah, we're we're missing part of our history somehow. Yeah, if you listen to Graham Hancock, that guy hit some home runs. Like, I, you know... I've been listening to him a lot recently and some of his theory about, you know, how the ice ages come and, you know, the recycling of the planet, et cetera, et cetera, all of this missile he gets, his points are pretty valid. And then it brings me back to like what we were just talking about. So the dinosaurs around that's 65 million years ago. That's what we could dig up now from millions and billions of years ago. That's, I don't know how many feet down to the ground. We haven't even dug far enough to find that. You know what I mean? This, I, I, yeah, I watched a video how the planet was made, I guess, in theory on, on history. And uh, by the, just listening to that lets me know that the, the surface of this place is changing consistently and by major layers. So we don't know where. And hypothetically, another species was on this planet a long time ago, humanoid or otherwise. They're carbon now, dirt. There, There is no bones. There is no fossil. They're just, they're part of it. You're not going to be able to define that. So, yeah, I don't. I don't believe for a second we were the first intelligent life to, to emerge here. There's no way. Right. Right. I think we're the first to get away from here, maybe, right? We're the first ones to get off the planet. And thanks to the Elon Musk and, and guys like him, we're going to eventually live in other planets. And maybe our species will go on indefinitely, hypothetically, maybe, because there are companies that are coming into this thing now with 
fed my theory, they're mapping the brain to upload and download. That's the goal. So you would basically live in whatever body you would choose, right? Whether it be a computer or, or an actual body. If we get to that point where we could rebuild and make, you know, a humanoid robot that we could upload and download our consciousness to, we don't know yet, right? What we uh, thought was telepathy in like the forties when, when people are encountering these, these, these aliens, we now, I, I now think was just their advanced Bluetooth. As technology catches up, we're starting to realize, well, all that, that wasn't nonsense. These people are talking about, we just weren't smart enough to have that. Right. So in theory, uh, I guess in closing and, and Denise, I wanted to touch on one other thing. Um, yes. In your personal experience, have you ever had a bad one? Um, no, I had one that was questionable, but I couldn't find anything wrong with it after it was done with. Um, and that was with one of the more reptilian types where I, I was taken somewhere, I think, near here in Florida uh, to an old hangar. And there were other people there um, and they were giving some kind of lecture. I cannot remember what it was about. Not at all. Um, and then uh, brought back, but I didn't feel comfortable, and I thought that their agenda might have been a little bit on the negative side, although I can't tell you what it was. Right. You know, I don't, with, with that whole, and I've been reading a lot about that too, when you have a technology that's grand, what we are able to perceive is whatever they would want you to perceive, Right. So if they're, I have to guess, if it's not a benign visit and they know they're going to be a little more invasive with you, they probably don't want you to have any kind of, and again, this is theory. This isn't fact. I'm speaking from a lot of what I do has no science, right? A lot of my thinking is just wild imagination, theory, and a lot of reading and research. But what I'm getting from all of it is they could make you perceive what you need to perceive. So this way your experience with them as a whole doesn't affect your your our human emotions towards them that they could probably manifest that now again that's there's no facts there that's just something i i kind of think and theorize but i'm going to go down that road a little bit more um for you and here in florida right you guys are here you got a ton of reports what is yeah. so what are some of the cases you're coming across right now that it's it's undeniable there's an experience and it's worth looking into well, Denise, I, since you're on the ERT team, I think that you would be the best one to answer that. Well, um, yeah, the experiencers resource team um, supplies support for individuals who fill out a questionnaire for us, um, and they're looking for... Oh, all kinds of things. They may be looking for hypnosis, a psychologist, someone to talk to when they need to talk. Um, and we have quite a few of those. We have anywhere from 180, uh, 80 to 180 uh, per month um, requests and questionnaires that are turned in. Um, so this is another whole side of the picture, and that's why this, this branch of MUFON was formed. Um, the more technical and scientific side of it are the reports that are filed with the case management system, and those are basically sightings. Um, so uh, we do need the two sides now. Um, we're learning an awful lot. We're doing a lot of studies and research on people that have been taken. 
Okay. So I'm going to do this documentary eventually, right? I'm going to travel. And clearly the East Coast of Florida is definitely somewhere to go. Because this documentary is not going to be so much just about UFOs. It's going to be par- it's going to be everything, anything mysterious. I'm going to travel and get it all as much as possible. And so far, my biggest fear of Florida are what have always been snakes, alligators, panthers, and mosquitoes. Yeah. Some of the scariest things we have here. Outside, I'm that strange kid. If I see something mysterious, and I, I, I promise you, I'm running at it. And if it's documented, unfortunately, it'll be the last thing you'll see of me, but it's documented, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, you know, Gulf Breeze is active again. Gulf Breeze? That's, that's the panhandle, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. I'm right up by Pensacola. Huh. All right. So that's definitely So, again, this is the network I'm going to build, people like yourself. I'm going to reach out to you a lot. And as you guys get reports... And if, if you ever want to come on the show again, please let me know. Discuss any case you feel. And I want to create a map of where to go. I, I'm assuming 18 months from now, maybe less, depending on COVID, I'm going to get out there and start documenting as much as possible. I mean, I got this really high-end camera. It's just sitting here looking really nice. So oh, That's great. That's fantastic. You can do that. But so anyway, Dennis, Denise, thank you for being on. Well, thanks for having us. Yes, you're welcome. Greatly appreciate it. Again, if there are cases you come across, you want to be on again, you want to talk about I mean anything, or if you have anyone that wants to come on and talk, you have my direct information. We do. (laughs) Thank you. Not a a problem, guys. Thank you again. Have a good one. Stay safe. Indeed. Thank you. Okay.